are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert! No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot, or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Barbie, which came out in 2023, and was directed by Greta Gerwig. It stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferrara, Ariana Greenblatt, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, Simu Liu, Rhea Perlman, Hari Neff, Michael Sarah, Alexandra Shipp, Sharon Rooney, Kingsley Benadir, Helen Mirren, and Will Ferrell. The genre would be fantasy comedy satire. Since the beginning of time, since the first little girl ever existed, there have been dolls. But the dolls were always and forever baby dolls. Until... Things have been happening that might be related. You're malfunctioning. What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life or know the truth about the universe. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Barbie in the real world. Get this doll back in a box. Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. Barbie, only in theaters July 21st. Greta Gerwig's Barbie is a delightful musical-slash-corporate-satire-slash-fantasy-slash-coming-of-age comedy, which only works as well as it does because of one key word. Tone. Yes, this movie does have some serious things to say when it comes to feminism, consumerism, and the patriarchy, but it never takes itself too seriously as it stays light and breezy from beginning to end. Turn to the Barbie next to you. Tell her how much you love her. Compliment her. Reporter Barbie, you can ask me any question you want. Well, how come you're so amazing? <laughs> no comment. Ah! <laughs> no, seriously, no comment. <laughs> ah, I love you guys. The screenplay from Gerwig and Noah Baumbach follows a straightforward there-and-back-again structure, which it never strays from, and this movie is all the better for it. As we actually traverse between the Barbie world and the, quote, real world, it never gets convoluted nor confusing, despite some unexpected views along the way. I love rollerblades. Where are we going? Barbie land. What? Mom, are you really going to let Barbie take you and your tween daughter to an imaginary land? Yes, and you want to know why? Because I never get to do anything. I didn't even go on that cruise I won at your school raffle because I didn't have enough vacation days and your dad's allergic to sun. Oh, what about dad? You can't just leave him. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Ready for fun? And that script also includes loads of knowing and topical humor, most of which lands pretty well, especially when it's being delivered by the likes of Ryan Gosling, who portrays a comically delusional Ken. Great. Not even broken. You'll be fine. Shredding waves is much more dangerous than people realize. You're very brave, Ken. Thank you, Barbie. Yeah. You know surfer's not even my job. I know. And it is not lifeguard, which is a common misconception. Very common. Yeah, because actually my job... It's just beach. Right. And what a good job you do at beach. You should heal up in no time. Actually, in the time that it took for me to say that sentence, you healed. Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> hey, Barbie. Yeah. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. 
I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Gosling is truly game for a lot of the physical comedy as well, even pulling off strutting around in a fur shawl at one point. Yeah. Well, because he's Ryan Gosling. Of course, Margot Robbie is also fantastic as the titular character, whom she physically embodies so much off the bat that one of the film's biggest laughs comes from how Helen Mirren's voiceover narration even points this out at an opportune time. Robbie delivers a full-on charismatic and sympathetic protagonist with depth, despite her very plastic surroundings at times. My heels are on the ground. Stop it, Ken. I'm sorry. Speaking of which, the production and set design of Barbie World itself is jaw-droppingly impressive, thanks to six-time Oscar nominee Sarah Greenwood, who will, or at least should, be nominated once again for this movie. So many of the sets, including Barbie's own dream house, honestly feel like legit, elaborate toy sets brought to life and made life-sized. And thanks to adept lensing from DP Rodrigo Prieto, he did Brokeback Mountain along with most of Scorsese's more recent films, it all looks sufficiently bright and colorful, yet never in a gaudy nor distracting way which can overwhelm the production, akin to overproduced 90s fantasies like Hook or Toys. Remember those movies? Prieto himself is also a three-time Oscar nominee, so obviously what you have here is a well-pedigreed, large-scale Hollywood production of an existing IP where the material is actually elevated with thoughtfulness and care. Yes, this is all, of course, based on a long-running popular toy line, which can be treacherous territory for any filmmaker. But Gerwig does an effective job of both taking full advantage of that 3D razzle-dazzle of inhabiting and exploring such a world, while still also commenting on it. There's definitely a lot of meta-commentary here, even involving the Mattel Corporation itself, and gratefully most of it serves the story. I mean, speaking for myself as someone who had never played nor had any interest in Barbie dolls, it never prevented me from engaging with the narrative. You don't have to be a Barbie diehard to enjoy this movie. And that's mainly because the characters are just so engaging with most of the themes quite universal. Sure, this is technically a message movie. And as several of the themes are laid out directly through dialogue, nobody would mistake this for being subtle with its messaging either. But you could say the same thing for any number of big mainstream entertainments going back decades, including Terminator 2, Mad Max Fury Road, or Jurassic Park. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. Or even big-time comedies such as The Birdcage, 9 to 5, or The Other Guys. Despite some online grumbling from the usual politically-oriented suspects, you know the ones, one of them the name rhymes with Fapiro, this is really nothing new. Nine years prior to this, we even saw another toy-based adaptation pull off the same balance with the Lego movie. Now, admittedly, that's not an easy balance to pull off, so it certainly helps to have talented folks involved telling you that story. And don't even get me started on the stacked supporting cast, including America Ferrara playing a sympathetic Mattel employee whose relationship with her teenage daughter helps set the story in motion. She's a standout. Or the memorable soundtrack featuring no shortage of catchy, diegetic needle drops. Or the gratefully lean runtime, yes, thank you, of around 110 minutes, amidst a marketplace where it seems as if every major production is struggling to top out below two and a half hours. Though if we're being honest here, you could have easily shaved off probably about 10 minutes, as Gerwig does allow for a few sequences to go on a bit too long. 
Oh, looks like this beach was a little too much beach for you, Ken. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beach you off right now, Ken. I'll beach off with you any day, Ken. Hold my ice cream, Ken. All right, Ken, you're on. Let's beach off. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. But you don't even know how to beach yourself off. How are you going to beach oh, both of us off? It doesn't make sense. You can you beach yourself off. You're going to beach both of us off. Nobody's going to beach anyone off. And this brings me to the categories. The first category would be best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. Now about that soundtrack, this movie is wall to wall with boisterous pop music, mostly of the danceable kind. And for me, one obvious highlight is a disco number from international pop sensation and Albania's own favorite daughter, Dua Lipa, who also has a small cameo in the movie as a mermaid. Yeah, you heard that right, mermaid. That's the kind of fantasy world this movie inhabits. Well, one of this movie's earliest scenes is a disco rager that Barbie herself is holding at her dream house. Everyone's hustling to the beat with Barbie in the center, and the song is the irresistibly catchy Dance the Night. But beyond that, late in the movie, we are treated to a diegetic power ballad performed by Ken himself. Yes, Ryan Gosling is actually doing the singing here. And it's a stirring one as our male plastic hero is finally advocating for himself as more than just an accessory. It's inspired stuff as Gosling is really having fun with this one. His declaration is that he is more than just Ken. Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain Driving me insane All my life been so polite Cause I'm just kidding Anywhere else I'd be dead Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility The next category would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. I'm actually going to take this category in the opposite direction of where I usually take it. There are two supporting players in this movie whom I have been very mixed on from past performances who actually surprised me with just how well they were utilized here. The first one would be longtime former Saturday Night Live cast member Kate McKinnon, who I will maintain has been one of the most consistently funny performers on that show. However, over the past decade, she has appeared in a lot of movies and has seemingly struggled to find good roles. Just a lot of weak stuff where it felt as if she was almost placed in the middle of a movie and asked to just riff, improvise, just make it into a funny, memorable character even when there was nothing on the page. I'm talking about Rough Night, The Spy Who Dumped Me. Even the 2016 Ghostbusters, which I did enjoy quite a bit, she's barely a character in that movie, just kind of a series of physical gags. Well, here, even with limited screen time, McKinnon pulls off a very distinct character which serves the story well. And that would be Weird Barbie, who apparently has become the way she is thanks to years of misuse from little girls who treated her like Sid treated his toys in Toy Story. 
Remember him? As a character, Weird Barbie is kind of off-putting at times, quirky, often funny, and McKinnon just nails it. Hello? Hmm? Humans. We're fine. And Ellen. Come into my weird house. Hi. I'm Weird Barbie. I am in the splits. I have a funky haircut and I smell like basement. Oh my God, I had a Weird Barbie. Yeah, you did. You make them weird by playing too hard. It's cool. And along those lines, we also have Michael Cera, who, despite starring in some excellent comedies like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and Superbad, his performances isolated from those movies have just always irritated me. He always did this soft-spoken, muttering shtick, and while he could help deliver effective laughs, I just never found him particularly engaging. If I'm being honest, I always thought that the better version of Michael Cera acting-wise was Jesse Eisenberg. Well, here Sarah plays supporting character Alan, who apparently was created as a toy just to be a side friend to Ken. Yeah, basically an accessory to an accessory. And with limited dialogue and just the right bemused expression on his face and the right deadpan, Sarah just nails his character too. His Alan is a funny presence within this world, with just how adeptly he reacts to everything around him. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi Barbie. 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 Oh, hi Alan. There are no multiples of Alan. He's just Alan. Yeah, I'm confused about that. Seeing how well both Michael Sarah and Kate McKinnon were utilized here just illustrates how strong of an acting bench that this movie has to complement its two main leads. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now, this movie does not really waste any time, and as soon as the credits kick in, the opening credits, we are thrust into Barbie's morning routine, which involves all of the typical cliched stuff, including showering, getting dressed, eating breakfast. Over this, we hear some lively music about Barbie as well, while we're also watching Robbie perform all these tasks with that megawatt smile. She's excited to be up in the morning. However, as the sequence progresses, we also realize two things which make this situation all the more surreal. One, there's no running water in Barbie world. No liquid. And two, none of the houses, including hers, have external walls. Which means that anything involving liquids done by Robbie is all pretend. She's drinking milk that isn't there, washing her hair with invisible water in the shower, etc. And she's greeting every other Barbie outside of her home while inside her home. So thanks to a canny performance from Robbie and that impressively tactile production design, putting all these toy-like homes on full display, we are immediately immersed into this world. And it's a fun way to get introduced to it. The final category would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Yeah, this was really a tough one, as some key creative forces here, which truly contribute to the movie's success, include Margot Robbie, its star, who also served as producer, Ryan Gosling, who likely gives the funniest comedic performance overall, the art direction team, of course, and even America Ferrara, who kind of provides the true heart of the movie, especially with a sharp, stirring monologue in the third act, which kind of sets the overall climax into motion. Beyond that, the film is nicely paced, artfully directed, and beautifully shot. But at the end of the day, with a movie like this, which is filled with ideas, various types of humor, and a pretty wide scope of characters, it lives or dies with its screenplay. The movie rarely bites off more than it can chew, even though I do feel like a few key sequences run a bit too long. This movie is confident with what it wants to say and how it wants to say it, mostly through humor. And even though they have both now been proven to be excellent directors, they are also both excellent screenwriters. Therefore, I feel that I must anoint Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach as co-MVPs. What I sort of was so intriguing to me and, and, and challenging about this was sort of how to 
how to think about this as both an adult and as a child, like that you kind of are coming at it from both directions and trying to hold both consciousnesses at the same time. My rating for Barbie would be four and a half stars out of five. As a feature film director, Greta Gerwig is now three for three as far as I'm concerned. After this, Little Women and Lady Bird. With her first big budget production, she has delivered a sorely needed light entertainment with plenty of heart and something to say. And of course, if you're looking to watch Barbie, it is now playing in theaters. And that ends another unboxed review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Watch me!